and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you all about some strange things that have happened in history. I'm Amelia Edwards, your host for today, and with me is Barnaby. Hello. Ah, having a nice break, having hosted for the past few weeks. Yes, I know. I've been very lazy. Oh, no. I've been lying on my settee. (sighs) Eating bonbons. You know that's not what I mean. Stop trying to make out that you're this hard put upon woman who. Wait, no, that's not what you're doing. No. I don't know. I'm going to stop now. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's okay. All right. So today I was thinking you've been talking a lot recently about sort of Victorian outlaws, people who get this kind of story about them, they become rebels, all of that kind of thing. Absolutely. King Baldwin IV was a real fixture in Victorian <laughs> London. I was thinking about this before Baldwin. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yes, I BB, have. BB, as it were. <laughs> before Baldwin. Mm-hmm. That's how we'll date everything now. Excellent. After Baldwin, AB. <laughs> Before the Baldwin era, BBE. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Even though there's no appreciable reason why Baldwin would be the separation of season one and season two of that time. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, but I was thinking about just before this and I thought to myself, you know, the thing is that there is definitely a, a time and place for Victorian outlaws. Oh, yeah. And the place really, as well as being London... Yeah. Is Australia. Oh, of course. Yeah. So I don't know how much you know about Australian history in particular. Not very much, to be honest. I I, I, I know some of the barest details, but I haven't I haven't really looked into it. And I think that the knowledge that I have is probably incorrect and skewed by, you know, our own culture. Sure. Because, I mean... What mainly we think of generally, I think, is, you know, prison colony, basically. Yeah. Even though, you know, Aboriginal people lived there for a long while ago before that. They did indeed. <laughs> but we're just, <laughs> like, like all awful colonial people, we're just going to ignore the Aborigines Hooray! today. <laughs> um, and I want to talk to you about Ned Kelly, who is ah. the most famous... Australian outlaw. Yes, we saw a terrible film about him. We did see a film about him. A lot of people described it as good, apparently. Yeah, you missed out a key word when you said that we saw the film. (laughs) We saw a film. We saw a terrible film. (laughs) It wasn't great. It was not good. (laughs) Um, And I think it, it disappointed me in many ways. I think... I don't know. I sometimes think that my own perception of Australian history is a little bit warped by my childhood experiences in a way that maybe other English people haven't had so much. Okay. I know you, you went to Australia. You've been a couple of times, haven't I've you? I've only been once. You've only been once, but I you're went quite when young. I was 10, I yeah. think. Um, and the reason why we went to Australia specifically was because for some reason, my family knows a lot of Australians. Mm. Uh, like my step-grandmother, if that makes sense to anyone, (laughs) um, is an Australian lady. Mm -hmm. Um, She currently lives in the UK, but for a while there she was living in Brisbane with her daughters and with my granddad. Yeah. And then also, when I was growing up, one of my best friends, Mum, is Australian. Mm. And so we went and stayed with her sister in Sydney for a while as well. Oh, right. So we had, like... A reason I had a reasonable exposure, I guess, to some Australian culture thing, but without any context. Yeah. So I used to get sent like 
video cassettes because that's yeah, how old yeah. we are. I used to get some VHSs of like I don't know, like weird stuff. Like yeah. um there was one there was one video which um was about the people getting sent over to Australia um like transported yeah. and it was very very tragic. Yeah. And it was it was narrated by that guy that we don't talk about anymore. The one who used to do like wobbly boards and used to be a presenter for oh, Kids TV. Oh, Rolf Harris. Rolf Harris. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. It had songs in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I knew the name Ned Kelly for a really long time, but I didn't actually know anything about him except that he was an outlaw. Yeah, I think that was about my extent of knowledge about him. Yeah, like that's kind of the deal, yeah. I guess. But Ned Kelly is pretty cool. So I'm going to talk about a bit about him today. Okay. And um, I think this might turn out into a two-parter because Ooh. his young life before he gets his outlaw gang is quite extensive. There's a lot going on. Okay, cool. So incidentally, Ned Kelly and his gang are partly famous because they were among the last of the Bushrangers. Oh, like Possibly right. the last Bushrangers. And what is a Bushranger? A Bushranger is someone who hangs out in the bush and commits crimes at gunpoint. Ah, oh, excellent. I know. Great kind, stuff. Kind of like the equivalent of a highwayman. I suppose so, yeah. It yeah. is that. Um, but also there was a lot of things like castle theft, horse theft as well on yeah. top of that. So Ned Kelly was born in 1854. And he was the son of John Kelly, whose nickname is Red, which is a great nickname. Okay, yeah. And John Kelly was Irish. He had been transported to Australia at the age of 21. Right. Because he had stolen two pigs. Ah, well. <laughs> God, transportation was mad. I know, wasn't it? Can you imagine that? Stealing two pigs and you were sent to the other side of the world. Yeah, but he was <laughs> Irish and he was uh, sent by the English. Yeah, okay. Woo! Yeah, this is possibly us at our worst, I would say, was well, the was the eighteen yeah. like mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. I think so. <laughs> um and John Kelly got married to a lady called Ellen, who was the daughter of one of his employers. Mm-hmm. Um and they actually got into gold mining weirdly like because the gold rush happened yeah but i think they were at the end of the gold rush right but they got enough money together to kind of like start up in life yeah um now ned kelly was the third child of the family they Mm -hmm. had seven children all together but a few of them died in infancy well that makes sense yeah Yeah. it's the 1800s in apparently the middle of absolutely nowhere in australia yeah in fact the fact that only two died is quite an achievement really yeah they didn't do too badly that in that regard yeah you'd expect four or five to be gone (laughs) all seven of them yeah um but the family does seem to have struggled quite a lot yeah um and often they just resorted to crime. Yeah, makes like, sense. Ned Kelly's <clears throat> uncle, um, who was, who also seems to have been transported at the sa- around the same time that John was transported, mm. um, for theft of a sock. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Ned Kelly's uncle got in trouble a lot for various things. Right. Um, so Ned Kelly first went to court at the age of eight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, because he was testifying on behalf of his uncle. Oh, my His God. uncle had been accused of stealing cattle. <laughs> we need a booster seat for the dock. I know, right? <laughs> like, so you know that he's not going to have a great time. Yeah. From this. Incidentally, later on, his uncle was accused of arson, having burned down the property that his family, Ned Kelly's family, was staying in. Whoa. But I don't know why. Oh, that's mad. Yeah. Okay. So... 
it seems to have been a difficult childhood, I would say. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe his uncle just kind of knocked over a candle or a lantern or something, and everyone was like, well, he is a criminal. He yeah. probably did it intentionally. A lo- like, a lot of the time, the police in the story are kind of justified. Yeah. And then sometimes it's just utter bullshit. And you're like, <laughs> no, you can't do this. Yeah. Like, whatever you're accusing these people of is ridiculous. Fair enough. You'll hear some of these later on. Excellent. So when he was 11, Ned became a little bit of a hero. Okay. Um, because there was a seven-year-old boy called Richard Shelton. Yeah. And he fell into Hughes Creek, which is near Seymour in Victoria. Okay. And he nearly drowned. Oh, damn. But Ned, being quite a strong and brave boy, jumped in and saved this boy from drowning. Oh, well done, Ned. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And what's really weird about this story to me is that Shelton's parents, they seem to have been pretty wealthy. They owned the Avenal's Royal Mail Hotel. Oh, wow. Okay. And they thought, you know what? This kid has saved our son from drowning. Yeah. What should we do? We should give him a big old sandwich. You're close. They gave him a sash. Oh, okay. They gave him a green sash. A sashwich. With gold brocade on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> in recognition of his bravery. Do you want to see it? Oh, sure. Oh, that's kind of cute. I mean... Uh, it's weird, though. It like, is, that's a weird thing to do. It is a weird opinion. thing to do. Like... It, that that feels like something you're given by you know the town or the city or yeah. something in recognition of your bravery not not the family of the boy you've saved to be fair i think at this point he might have been living in greta which is like the main place where he lived okay um i looked up greta it has a population of 106 excellent so maybe that was the town like who yeah. knows? <laughs> um incidentally not to do too many spoilers, he had a famous last stand, did Ned Kelly. And that's one of the things that makes him really famous and cool is his right. last stand. At his last stand, he wore this sash. Aww. Because he clearly still had this vision of himself as being this like brave hero rescuing, which is Aww, so sweet. Oh, it meant sweet. a lot to him. It did. Oh, that, I feel bad about mocking it now. Well, I mean, I think the sash is weird. Like, I just think it's a weird thing to give to a child. Yeah. Who, Clearly is struggling in yeah. life, and you're like, "Oh, what should we do?" Sash, I don't yeah. Know. But at the same time, like, it did clearly mean a lot to him, and it creates maybe this vision of himself, you yeah. know, which is cool. Yeah, perhaps they should have just, you know, offered to take the boy in and give him an education or something. Well, that's what happens in the film. <laughs> Although in the film, they do give him the sash as well. I do remember the sash. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure the the boy in question like ends up becoming a bit of the villain in the story in the film version. I, you know what? It's such a forgettable film. I don't even know. <laughs> Fair enough. I am probably going to spend a lot of this dunking on that film because it disappointed me so greatly. Um, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, so in 1865, um, Red Kelly, as in his dad's, yeah. um, was convicted because he had apparently stolen a calf. Mm. He was sentenced to a fine of £25. Oof. Or six months hard labour. Bloody hell. I know. Um, incidentally, although the family could definitely not afford to pay this fine, no. no one can find any record that he actually went to prison either. Oh, right. So, who knows? Yeah. Maybe um, there was some dodgy backdoor dealing going on. Yeah, like, I mean, we just we just don't know. I've got to imagine that there probably was something of that, like, 
you've got some official records of things and then you've got unofficially what probably happened because 25 pounds like that's a huge amount of it's money. a huge amount of money and i'm pretty sure like australia in general at this time most of the people were not wealthy no so we've got an interesting situation basically going on in the background of this yeah um which is called incredibly the squatocracy the squatocracy <laughs> Whole lot of shitting going on. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, there was kind of like a sort of ersatz upper class being created, or that had been created a bit earlier on. Right. These were often like English people. Yeah. um, Or sometimes like Protestant Irish people. Yeah. um, Who had come kind of early on, and they were known as the squatters. This was because they'd taken over large areas of land from often the Aborigines yep. um, without actually having any legal reason to do so. Yeah. Uh, but the British government didn't really care that much because they were taking care of the land and yeah. they'd started farming and ranching and they got rid of the Aborigines. Yeah. So um, they basically became like this upper class. Yeah. So then they end up being kind of opposed naturally to people like the Kellys yeah. who have been you know, convicted criminals in the first place and got shipped and transported to Australia. That makes sense. Um, And they don't really have nearly as much power or rights as these squatters. Yeah. So it's a bit weird because the squatters are the wealthy people. Yeah, I was going to say. But that's something we need to keep in mind because this comes up a bit. Yeah, because when you say squatters, I think of um, Jeremy Hardy talking about his sort of early days in London. Yeah, the people who can't afford a flat, so they just live in a flat that's not occupied. Yeah, Yeah. that is... Very bohemian. Yeah. Squatters (laughs) in this case means that they are usually pretty damn wealthy. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, so Red at this point, though, starts to have a little bit of a downward spiral. Okay. Um, In December of 1866, he was fined for being drunk and disorderly. He was fined £400. (laughs) I'm not sure how much he was fined, but, you know, we're at this sort of point where the people around him clearly feel that he's, you know, not a good sort. Yeah. And he's suffering from this. Yeah. And he was really badly affected, actually, by alcoholism and he oh, died on the 27th of december Oof, of that year damn so when they say drunk and disorderly i think they really meant yeah. it yeah um, so this kind of left this very large family plus ellen their mother yeah and they managed to take up a small farm of 88 acres at a place called 11 mile creek which is near greta yeah. So this was leased from the government. Okay. So this is one of those things that makes them kind of different from the squatters because they're, yeah. they're leases. Um, there was a thing called the Land Act, which basically meant people could lease yeah. um, from the government. And the option was to buy once the land had been successfully cleared and cultivated and they had to meet a bunch of other conditions. Yeah, I think this, this was something that happened a lot with the British Empire. mm and it happened in America as well, I believe. Yeah. Like, basically, anywhere where you want to make things cultivated, yeah. you kind of let people have uh, things for a lesser amount of money, perhaps. Yeah. Um, the problem was that the Kelly selection, like the Kelly farm area, was probably actually unsuitable for successful farming. Oh, no. Um there seems I think this is one of those things you know the squatters have taken the really good land already yeah I was gonna say because obviously Australia is pretty huge yeah but I get the feeling that 
the amount of land that is like good for farming is comparatively small. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's always around the edges. Yeah. And it depends a lot on things like the weather. Yeah. Like having been to Australia, it's really weird because all like nearly all Australian films and things make it look out look like it's a entirely a desert. Yeah. And that's not really true. Like No, they have rainforests. They've got a lot of rainforests. <laughs> <laughs> like, um when I was when I was there, we spent a lot of time sort of on the east coast right and there's a lot of forest around there i will say mm. um and you know that's where the koalas hang out and Yay. all of the birds and all of those nice things yeah but at the same time i'm not sure whether that would be usable once you cut it down yeah you know that would probably like <laughs> destroy the whole situation <laughs> oh my god yeah but couldn't you just see that happening yes yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's what we did to the South Downs. Yeah, true, true. So for those of you who don't know, the South Downs um, National Park in England is an area of chalk hills. Mm. And originally it was a forest. There were loads and loads of trees up there. And then they cut them all down, I think mostly for Henry VIII to build ships. Okay. And because the trees weren't there, all the goodness in the soil got washed away. And now mm. it's just literally chalk and grass. The only thing you can keep up there is sheep. Yeah. And cows. And cows, sometimes. And, and some horses. Yeah, well, the horses get fed extra stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. But yeah, I don't think it would have worked out. No. So Ellen, being a sensible lady, yeah, um, offered accommodation to travellers um, in order to supplement her income and also illegally sold alcohol. Yay! Um, which is what happens in the film. Mm-hmm. Although I believe in the film they have Ellen doing this earlier on because it helps the father to become an alcoholic more. A vague memory Mm. of that, yeah. So, this brings us up to the beginning of Ned Kelly's illegal lifestyle. So, just just quickly, just thinking about that, was... So, she sold alcohol illegally. Was this just the sort of thing like she didn't have a license for it? I think that's it. Were they not allowed to sell it at all? I have no idea. I think it might be that she didn't have a license for it. Right. It seems to be that back in those days in Australia, um, you would drink at a hotel. And that was like the thing. So, I don't know whether you had to have like an official hotel. Whereas she's got some kind of like Airbnb situation (laughs) going on. Like, I've seen pictures of the family farm. It was... Not not a fancy establishment, no, I will fair say. enough, yeah. So, we are going to get on to the beginning of Ned Kelly becoming a bushranger. Okay. So, when he was 14 years old, he met his bushranging mentor. Okay. Who is called Harry Power. <laughs> wow, okay. That is not actually his surname. Oh, that's a shame. But, I mean, good choice of a name. It's a good choice of a name. Also, I love that bushrangers seem to have apprentices. They do. I mean, they do have apprentices. This is the thing. So because there's all of this, like, tension going on between the squatters and the normal people, and especially because there's also some, um, like, religious things into this as well, I think a lot of the time the people who are quite downtrodden in Australian society at this time are Irish Catholics. Right, yeah. Um, And then there are Irish people in charge, but they're often people who are seen as either having betrayed their kinsmen or they're Irish Protestants who were already wealthy in Ireland anyway, you know, like they were the higher class people. Um, So 
Harry Powers was originally Henry Johnson. Okay. But he was a transported convict. Yep. So I think he decided Harry Power. Great name. (laughs) It's like, I don't like my original name. I'm going to change it. I'm going to be Harry Power. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like that episode of The Simpsons. What, Max Power? Max Power, because it's the only name you spelled right, because it was from a hairdryer. Yeah. (laughs) Max Power. Um, Yeah, basically. So this is Harry Power, and he had become a bush ranger after escaping prison. Amazing. But this is the thing. Like I say, there's like a lot of support sometimes for these outlaws, because they're seen as being against authority yeah so a lot of them have um what's known as a a sort of network of sympathizers yeah so they're the people who like help these people out help Mm. the push rangers out and like put them up support them all of that kind of thing well they are dashing rogues uh i'm not sure if harry powers a dashing rogue do you want to see a picture sure Oh, he is not dashing. No, he's not. He's kind of trundling. (laughs) He's kind of an old man, to be honest. (laughs) At least in the picture on Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he took the young Ned Kelly under his wing. And together they decided, let's let's do a crime together. Hooray! And I'm going to say the first crime they did is an absolute bust. Oh, okay. Which is really funny because I don't know, with Ned Kelly, you're like, oh, amazing, like, Bush Ranger. Yeah. Um, everything's so, you know, exciting and dramatic. There's a lot of just, like, weird f- ups that okay. happen in a lot of his escapades, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the thing is that you generally hear about the successful crimes and the downfall. Yeah. But you've got to imagine there's got to be a lot of stuff that just didn't work out. Although I do like to imagine, because we're talking about like a Bush Ranger apprentice, I imagine uh, Mr. Power sitting sitting the young Ned Kelly down after whatever you're about to tell us goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, so Ned, how do you think your first week is going? <laughs> we're going to extend your probation period. <laughs> This one isn't Ned's fault, to be fair. Okay, so the plan is this. (laughs) That's no excuse, Ned. You're part of a team now. Are you a team player? (laughs) There's no I in team, Ned. (laughs) The plan is this. Um, They know that there's going to be a gold escort moving gold across Australia, across Victoria, right? So the first step to try and ambush this gold escort and steal their gold is they're going to steal some horses. Okay. So there was a squatter called John Rowe Mm -hmm. who owned a property in Mansfield and they went to go and try and steal steal Rowe's horses. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Rowe shot at them and they ran away. (laughs) Ned, even the first part of the plan didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that this is possibly Harry's fault. Like, it sounds like he's not planned for what happens if you get shot at (laughs) by the person who's trying to keep their horses. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And actually, Kelly was like, I don't think that you're all that that at this point. (laughs) Like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I mean, fair enough. If Your mentor, like, you're you're apprenticed out. You're going to become a bush ranger. It's going to be amazing. First thing that happens, huge failure. Like, in that probationary meeting, you've got to feel like... I'm not going in the right direction. I think I'm going to take my apprenticeship elsewhere. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
But by the end of the ne- by the next year, they had reconciled, and at this point, they started to commit armed robberies. Yay! Hooray! So now they are proper bushrangers together. Yeah. Um, there were a few armed robberies, and people started speculating as to who was committing these robberies. Okay. Um, and by the end of April, the press had said it's Ned Kelly. Oh. Okay, right. So they just zeroed in on him. They did. The thing is, it's because his family is quite well known to the police and they keep getting into this kind of trouble. They knew that Harry Power was out there with a young accomplice. Right. And the press were like, well, we know the Kelly family. Get on with Harry Power. It's Ned. Right, okay. So, they, But they knew about Harry Power as well. Um. Yeah, I think so. But they weren't actually that, that worried about him. Like They were like, Ned. Oh. He's the one that we want to focus in on. Oh, poor Ned. I know. <laughs> really sucks. Um, he got wow. captured. The, the, the whole the Rupert Murdoch press organization goes back a lot further than I thought. It does. <laughs> because they're like, oh, it's, this, it's the children who are the problem. Yeah, it's the children of these young criminal classes yep. who are the problem. Yep. So um, he was captured by police and he was confined to Beechwood Jail. Um, in court, he was accused of three separate charges of robbery. Damn. Uh, now, the first two of these were dismissed because none of the victims could positively identify him. Fair enough, yeah. On the third charge, they also failed to identify him, but apparently they were refused the chance to identify him by the superintendents Nicholas and Hare. So Nicholas, Superintendent Nicholas, was like, this is Kelly. He fits the description they've given he should be locked up. He should be remanded for trial. Right. But they didn't get the chance to say, yes, he's absolutely right. Yeah. I think at this point they were getting frustrated. Yeah. They really just wanted to lock Ned Kelly away. Yeah. 100%. So the problem was that they couldn't find any evidence. Ha! And he was released after a month. Oh, wow. So this is one of those weird situations where we don't really know what was going on. Like, was this police harassment? Mm. Was this this, the superintendents were like, we've got to get him for something. We know this family is no good. Yeah. Or like, we've, we've just made that assumption now. Yeah. Um, And so we're going to arrest him for anything. Or was it that the Kelly family intimidated the witnesses, (laughs) which could also have happened? I mean, yeah, I suppose, but the Kelly family at this point, surely it, it's it's a mother and a bunch of young children. Ah, but they're not so young anymore. And remember, he's the third child. Ah, yeah. A few of, his, I think, his older sisters have at this point got married, so he's got some stepbrothers oh, who can be intimidating, right. and a lot of them seem to have gone in for crime as well. Right. Okay. I hadn't thought about the family extending. Yeah. So because, that's one of those things. Yeah. It's, he ends up with this really, really big extended family who all want to commit crime, and yeah, it's the whole thing. Yeah, because in the terrible film. Uh, we just see his sisters as kind of props. They're just yeah. kind of there in the background and don't really do anything. And I think that kind of informed my thoughts just then. But of course, they're, they're going to go off. They're going to get married. And then, you know, you've got big old brother-in-law going to come round and beat you up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, I, okay. I, I, I take back my objection. That's fair. Another <laughs> <laughs> Now, another weird thing about this is that apparently the witnesses said that Power's accomplice was a half-caste. Oh, okay. By which they meant somebody who was mixed Aboriginal and European. Right. Um, The police said 
it's still Kelly. He was just dirty. <laughs> wow. Which I don't know if that's the witnesses being racist, <laughs> if that's the police being racist. Someone is being racist. We're just not sure who. Because the thing was, Kelly was definitely the accomplice here. Yeah. We have the apprenticeship documents to prove it. A hundred percent. We have his employment record and his, you know, his uh, monthly one-to-ones with his line manager, Mr. Power. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So it was at this point that, like, when they've let go of Kelly, they finally go after Power. Right. And so... Ah, they achieve political office. Yes. (laughs) In June 1870, uh, Power got captured by oh, yeah. a police search party. Yeah. And he was actually camping out in the wilderness um, in something that's called a gunya, which I love Australian words. Um, it's a shelter made out of bark. <laughs> okay. It's not a posh person just saying, yeah, it's a gunya. Yeah, no, it's a gunya. <laughs> it's a shelter made out of bark. Okay. And he got captured and... People in the in this community that supported power, yeah, um, said that Kelly was the one who had informed on him, and that's how he had got captured. Oh no, is that right? true? Sort of. Okay. So Ooh, tantalizing. Um, he said no. Right. Absolutely, I didn't. And he wrote a letter to Sergeant J- James Babington. Good of Kyneton, um, wanting for he- wanting help, and he said, "Everyone looks on me like a black snake." <gasps> um, and he wanted help specifically to prove that he hadn't been the one who'd snitched. Oh right, which <laughs> just like oh, that's kind of adorable. But also, could you imagine this whole community like supports power? Yeah, they're not going to be in for anyone who's yeah. snitched. No, absolutely. I like it is a genuine self-preservation thing to prove that you are not the person who ratted out Mr. Power. Yeah, definitely. It turns out that the informant was actually his uncle. Oh, wait, Ned Kelly's uncle? Yes. (gasps) Oh, no. This was one Jack Lloyd who'd been given £500 for his assistance. £500. Bloody hell, you could pay off the fine for stealing a thimble with that. (laughs) Um... But it turns out that Kelly had also given some information that led to Power's capture. So right. he didn't directly rat him out. But, but unintentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's possible the charges against him were dropped because of the information that he'd given them. Oh. And Power always believed that Kelly was responsible for this betrayal. And Aww. that is the end of their like relationship, like Aww. their business relationship. That's a shame. I'm ending your apprenticeship on the grounds of gross negligence. You snitch to the Rosas. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so- Reason for termination. <laughs> Bloody snitch is what he is. So at this point, we get out of um, his apprenticeship times. Yeah. And we get into the big horse theft chapter of his life. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Horse thieving. A really big deal, apparently. Hmm. So. I always wondered about horse thieving. Yeah? I mean, I presume that what you're doing is you're stealing horses and then selling them on, right? A bit yeah. like car theft. Yeah, yeah. Right. So how many people were in the market for horses with unregistered license plates? <laughs> well, you joke, but... Yeah. Um, they did have a lot of different ways of recognising horses. Yeah. Um, and, like, registering horses as their own. So, like, I know part of this from Jamaica Inn by... Um, 
Daphne du Maurier. Oh, yeah. Because one of the main characters in Jamaica Inn is a horse thief. Oh, yes, he is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also from Ned Kelly's own life as well. Yeah. So it was really common to brand your horses in Australia, apparently. Makes sense. So they changed the brands to make it look like they were they belonged to a different person right. and had been brought from a different part of Australia. Okay. Um, other things that one could do, I think in England they didn't necessarily brand horses, but they did ear clips oh, in right. specific yeah, shapes. Yeah, yeah. So they'd change the shape of the clipping. Yeah. And people would also do things like um, change the color of the horse temporarily if they were going to move away from that specific area. Right, Because yeah. sometimes horse thieves would move around a lot. Yeah. So you can, for instance, paint a horse a different color. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, like, yeah. But if you did it with like tar or something, yeah. then it would stay on for a while and you'd yeah. think this is a black horse instead of the chestnut horse that's gone missing. Right. So, yeah. And there were a lot of people looking to buy these dodgy horses? Well, yeah, because you need a horse to get anywhere. It's the 1800s. Yeah, and in Australia even more so, considering... Huge distances. Massive, massive place. So, yeah, people really did buy horses all the time. And the thing is, if you're buying these, like, dodgy tar-covered horses... Yeah. Like, you might not be paying the amount that the horse is actually worth... Yeah. But you're paying enough for a rubbish horse that can get you a distance. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm just imagining, like, the the used car salesman slapping the horse and just going, (laughs) this baby's got one horsepower. (laughs) (laughs) What about this one? This one also has one horsepower. This will be a great joke in the future. (laughs) And everyone's like, I don't get it now. You will. (laughs) Actually, wait, what year is it? 1875. You might. You might. You might. You might. Probably not, but you might. <laughs> do you have anything with more than one horsepower? Yes, I do. Two horses. <laughs> Two horses and a small carriage. <laughs> so, here's the first horse issue. Okay. In October of 1870, a hawker called Jeremiah McCormack um, accused a friend of the Kellys, called Ben Gould, yeah. of stealing his horse. Oh, damn. Gould was affronted by this. How dare you, sir? So... You impugn my honour. He wrote an indecent note <laughs> for McCormack's wife. <laughs> oh, no. He sent a dick pic. <laughs> it's... Uh, he wrapped up two calves' testicles oh my in this God. note. He did send her a dick pic, kind of. Oh my god, no. So, um, he gave that to Kelly. Kelly passed it to one of his cousins to give to poor Mrs. McCormack, who didn't do anything to deserve this. What am I going to do with these? (laughs) Fricassee. She was understandably a bit shocked by the whole situation. So then, Jeremiah McCormack confronts Kelly for his part in this later that day and Kelly punched him in the nose and he fell over. (laughs) Okay. He was arrested. Yeah. Both because of sending the calves testicles which apparently was definitely like an arrestable offence in those (laughs) days. You could be fined £400 for that. (laughs) And also because he assaulted McCormack. Yeah. And he was sentenced to three months hard labour on each charge. Oh wow. Which... I've, one for each testicle. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's maybe unfair. Yeah. Like, the Carl's testicle thing, like, it wasn't his letter. Yeah. He was passing it on. He was the delivery boy. He wasn't even the delivery boy. He he received it and handed it on yeah. to one of his cousins. So it's like, I feel like if 
a, a high up person had done the same thing, it would have been treated like a joke. Yeah. You know, this is one of those moments where I'm like, that's unfair. Punching this guy on the nose, maybe, maybe. Yeah, well, you don't know that. We don't know exactly what happened, I imagine. No. It could be he was was threatened, but yeah. 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 If if he's going to be arrested for anything, it should be punching the guy on the nose. Yeah, probably not the calf's testicles thing. Although I feel like maybe that deserves a fine, like... I'd like it if everyone who sent women dick pics got three months hard labor, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So after he was released, he was arrested again. Oh, no. For horse theft. Oh, well, there we go. Um, The story of this horse theft is very convoluted. Yeah. Okay. So the story goes like this. There was a horse breaker called Isaiah Wright, Mm -hmm. as in one of those people who tames horses. Yeah. He had borrowed a chestnut mare from the postmaster of Mansfield without asking. Okay. He went to visit his friend on this chestnut mare. Right. His friend was called Alex Gunn. Okay. Now, Alex Gunn was Ned Kelly's brother-in-law. Right. And lived with the Kellys. Yeah. During the night, the chestnut mare wandered off. Okay, okay, two things. Firstly, he didn't borrow that horse. He stole that yeah, horse. Yeah, he stole that horse. But uh, the, the things you read say he borrowed it without asking. That is just theft. He stole that horse. And also, did he not tie it up or anything? I don't know. <laughs> Why did? How did it just wander off? I don't know. This is the story. This is how the story goes. I think it's probably all a lie. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so... This is the problem. It's Australia. It's massive. You need a horse to get anywhere. So Gunn, the brother-in-law, lent Wright one of his own horses so that he could continue on his journey. Right. And promised to keep the mare if he found it because he thought it was Wright's horse. Ah. Until Wright returned. Right. They found the mare. Excellent. Then Kelly rode it to Wangaratta. Okay. And... And he stayed there for four days. Okay. And then he rode back to their home at Greta. Yeah. On the way back, one Constable Edward Hall spotted him and suspected that that mare was stolen. Right. Which he was right. <laughs> yeah. He just needed to run the license plate. At this point, he uh, he said to Kelly that he needed him to come to the police station yeah. in order to sign some paperwork. And so Kelly punched him on the nose. Um. So when... He was when Kelly was about to dismount his horse. He kind of grabbed Kelly and right. tried to shoot him. Oh my god! But the pistol misfired, and they had a physical fight instead. Whoa! So he did punch him on the nose. He pistol whipped him in the face. Oh my god! Until his face was bloody and raw. Whoa, man! This situation escalated quickly. It did, and he I asked think... him to get off, get off a horse, and then tried to shoot him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't. This is one of those things where I'm like. Okay, I can appreciate that the police are kind of in the right to an extent he has a stolen horse. But this is way overblown. To be fair, Ned Kelly had shot, had um, not shot back, but he'd fought back. Yeah. Um, apparently he had like managed to kind of throttle our constable. Well, I, but, I, but it I, is, I'm yeah. going to take Ned Kelly's side here. I, just I would too. If someone tries to shoot you. Yeah. 
I think you would fight back. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. The whole thing is weird to me. That's so weird. Especially like the person's tried to shoot you just because you got off a horse. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And and he doesn't know what's going on. Exactly. He doesn't know the horse is stolen. Sorry, borrowed. Borrowed. (laughs) Borrowed without asking indefinitely. (laughs) So... Both Kelly and Gunn got arrested after this. Right. And, and they got charged with horse theft. Although yeah. when it became apparent that the horse had been borrowed while Kelly was still in prison, so yeah. he couldn't possibly have stolen this horse, yeah. his sentence was changed to feloniously receiving a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be good, but that's fantastic. Which... That's, what? No. That's such a good charge. Yeah. Feloniously receiving a horse. <laughs> it's not the stupidest thing that he was arrested for, okay. but it's still pretty dumb. That's good. I mean, I know that it's like, it's receiving stolen goods, basically. It is receiving stolen goods, but, but feloniously receiving a horse is just, a good one. Yeah, just yeah. the way, like, it's what I think we find with a lot of stuff when we look back in, like, legal history, just the specific crimes. Yes. It's just fantastic. I no, love it so much. No, it's so good. Um, incidentally, uh, Kelly was a little bit ticked off at Wright, understandably. Yeah. So he decided to settle the score with him. Right. In a bare-knuckle boxing match at the Imperial Hotel in Beechworth in 1874. That's pretty cool. Kelly won after 20 rounds. 20? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. How long were these rounds as I well? I don't know. Probably not that long because it's bare knuckle, right? Yeah. I mean, that's always the thing. Like, it's in uh, the Philip Pullman book, Ruby and the Smoke. Yeah. Talk about, like, how boxing gloves kind of... Lengthen everything out. Yeah. 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 Like, bare knuckle. If you actually hit someone in the face... That's it. Yeah, that's kind of it. You're... And also, people's hands would end up hurting, so they oh, can yeah. actually do as much damage yeah. in the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I've hit someone in the face who admittedly was trying to kind of intimidate and attack me Mm. and I got a hairline fracture in my hand. (laughs) (laughs) So soon afterwards, oh no, wait, I tell a lie. He won after 20 rounds and he was declared the unofficial boxing champion of the district. Amazing. And a Melbourne photographer took a portrait of Kelly in a boxing pose. Ah. Here's a picture. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't it cool? Ah. Oh, it's kind of cute in a weird way. I know. <laughs> Boxers of those days look adorable because they're always wearing shirts as well yeah. as their boxing shorts. Yeah. Um, so as a result of this, Wright actually became a really big, like an ardent supporter of Kelly. Oh, okay. Because apparently the 20 rounds of boxing like was like, I, I think you're great. I, I, I think you would be impressed by that. And as long as, you know, the other guy isn't going to be you know, a dick to you about it afterwards. I could imagine that causing a friendship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like they got on. Yeah. Now, incidentally, in the film that you hated, yeah. and I wasn't keen on, yeah. um, they do things about Ned Kelly being a boxer, but they kind of make it into... You've forgotten a lot of this, I have no memory of that. They do things about him being a boxer, but they kind of do it like an, oh, you're going to fight for our sport, and it's like a load of English people, like... I have um, absolutely no memory of that at all. Did I fall asleep during No. Because I it's very rare that I fall asleep in the cinema. I think yeah. I've done it twice. Yeah. I did it in Monsters University and It Chapter Two. Yes. I didn't think I'd fallen asleep in this. You didn't fall asleep in this one. Clearly nothing stayed in my head. I must have just been sitting there waiting for it to end. I think you it was very long. It was so long. <laughs> 
God, it's an awful film. <laughs> but you don't know how awful because you can't remember it. Well, I the thing is, I know my impression I got coming away from it. And I think the thing is, it, it's, it's, it is forgettable as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So what I mostly remember is not enjoying myself. Okay. I, re- I remember my reaction to it more than I remember the film itself. Fair. All right. So then he was released again. He's okay. been in prison like a few times now. Yeah. Um, he actually seems to have tried to do a, an honest day's work for a bit. Okay. He worked in a sawmill and then for a builder. I thought you said a sauna for a moment there. Oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's Australian saunas. <laughs> Very famous. I just love the idea of Ned Kelly, this like great big boxing brute horse yeah. thief, also just going into the sauna and like it's a spa. He's giving massages to people. He's like, Good day, madam. Can I hose you down? <laughs> Can I hose you down? Get out with the horses. <laughs> hose all of you down at once. <laughs> Grace. But uh, no, he worked for a sawmill. Sawmill. And then as a builder. So he had a stepfather by this point mm-hmm. um, who loved to steal horses and was American, apparently. Oh, okay. So, you know, very fancy um, horse thief. Yeah. Um, he turns up with a Stetson and spurs <laughs> and a revolver and he's like, well, howdy, young Ned Kelly. We're going to steal some horses. <laughs> Why have you turned into that guy out of um, Knives Out? I don't know. <laughs> It's just such a fun voice to do. It takes me back to our Cassius Marcellus Clay episode. Oh, I miss Cassius Marcellus Clay. <laughs> I do too. What a babe. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, this gang, by the way, seems to have included various members of what would later become Ned Kelly's gang. Yeah. Uh, which were known as, I think, the Greta Mob. Okay. Um, and then there were also a bunch of other people, and it was, like, really organised. Yeah. Ned Kelly claimed that they managed to steal 280 horses Whoa, in total. that's amazing. I don't know whether that claim is true. Yeah. He definitely exaggerates the truth. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? Um, but in 1877, the group stole 11 horses that belonged to a man called James Whitty. Right. And James Whitty reported them stolen to the police. Right. This led to a warrant being issued for Ned Kelly's arrest. Yeah. As well as one for his younger brother, Dan Kelly, who was part of this gang. Yeah. And this leads to the Fitzpatrick incident. Oh, okay. So, I'm going to rely very heavily on Wikipedia for this because there's a lot that goes on and Wikipedia is amazing on all of this. Excellent. So... Sometimes Wikipedia is a good tool. Sometimes it is. In this case, I've got a lot of faith in it. Cool. So... The Fitzpatrick Incident. Um, the officer who was in charge of the Greta police station yeah. heard that Kelly was at a shearing stead in New South Wales. So he took leave to go off to this shearing stead in New South Wales. They're yeah. in Victoria, so a completely different state. Right. And cons- I'll, I'll pretend I know Australian geography. Okay. There are big states in Australia. <laughs> New South Wales is huge. Victoria is huge. If you're in New South Wales, you're a long way off. Right. So, Constable Fitzpatrick of the Fitzpatrick incident was ordered to go to Greta to relieve him. Okay. And he read that there was a warrant out for Dan Kelly's arrest for horse stealing. Right. And he decided, I'm going to swing by their house and I'm going to arrest Dan. 
Right. Because it makes sense right now. It'll just be the younger members of the Kelly family. Ned's away. Like, sure. Okay. Quickly before we continue. Did this happen in the film? Yes. Yes. I remember this bit. Yes. Right. (laughs) Okay. This was a bit where they could have done something really cool, but they didn't. Of course. And I'll talk to you about that in a moment. Yeah. Also, I really love this detail from the Wikipedia article. On the 15th of April, Fitzpatrick rode through Wilton en route to Greta, stopping at the hotel there, where he had one brandy and lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Oh, I like to imagine we know that because he expensed it or something. (laughs) I really hope he did. Either that or like this was such a big deal that the hotel manager was like, he had a brandy and lemonade no at our hotel. No one's asked for a brandy and lemonade before. <laughs> I think that's a really common drink. No, it is now. It is now. Since Vince Patrick had it. Oh my oh. God, such a trendsetter. <laughs> Hi fam, this is Fitzpatrick just having a brandy and lemonade Amazing. at this hotel. So He's got a huge Instagram following. Of course, of course he does. Imagine if you took a picture of a brandy and lemonade and we're like, put a filter on it. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag gonna capture Ned Kelly. Dan Kelly. Kelly. (laughs) So when he got to the house, Dan wasn't there. Okay, yeah. But he thought, you know, I'll stay here for a while. um, I'll have a chat with Ellen. Yeah. um, And I'll wait for Dan to come home. Yeah. He stayed there for about an hour. Okay. And, Not that long. <laughs> which isn't that long. According to him, upon hearing someone chopping wood, he went to ensure the chopping was licensed. <laughs> oh, what a job's worth. I know. <laughs> the man proved to be one Bricky Williamson, a neighbor, who said he didn't need a license because he was chopping wood on his own selection. Makes sense. Which is fair. Yeah. Why we need this detail, I don't know, but I just find <laughs> mundane details hilarious in this situation. Have you got a license for that wood that you're chopping? <laughs> well, I'm afraid you need to fill out Form 31B, Section 3A. No, mate, I'm on my own selection. <laughs> well, then, you'll have to fill out Form 31C, Section <laughs> B4. Amazing. So, at this point... Um, Dan Kelly and his brother-in-law, Bill Skillian, returned to the house. Good name, Skillian. Skillian, also Bill Skilling. Ah. Who knows? I think he just changed it. Why not? Fair enough. Uh, So, he returns to the house. Yeah. And makes the arrest. Hooray! It's sorted. Dan asked, can I have dinner before I leave? Yeah. And he's like, sure, why not? Like, there's no problem here. (laughs) (laughs) So, he stood guard over his prisoner... While he waited for his dinner, which I think is so cute. It is quite cute, yeah. Minutes later, Ned Kelly rushes through the door with a revolver and fires a shot at Fitzpatrick and misses. (gasps) Ellen Kelly then hits Fitzpatrick over the head with a fire shovel. (laughs) There was a struggle and Kelly fired two more shots, wounding Fitzpatrick just above his left wrist. During the struggle, Skillian and Williamson, the guy who was chopping wood, enter the room, both armed with revolvers. Dan gonna Ke- miss. Everyone misses. Everyone this story. misses all the time. <laughs> Dan Kelly disarmed Fitzpatrick and now has his revolver. Right. Ned then told Fitzpatrick that he wouldn't have fired at him if he'd known it was him. <laughs> Fitzpatrick fainted. <laughs> what a mad sequence of events is happening right now. Right. And when he regained consciousness, Kelly compelled him to extract the bullet from his own arm with a knife. 
Damn. And Mrs. Kelly dressed the wound. Yeah. Ned Kelly concocted a cover story and said that if Fitzpatrick told the story, he would reward, reward him after the whole thing was over. Kelly's mother said that if he man- mentioned what really happened, his life would be no good to him. <gasps> Fitzpatrick was then ar- allowed to leave. He had ridden about a mile when he found that two horsemen were pursuing him. <laughs> but by spurring his horse into a gallop, he escaped to the Winton Hotel where he was assisted inside by the manager. He had a brandy and lemonade. No, he had a brandy and water. Ah. <laughs> He's like, whoa, can't set too many trends right now. I have been shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he went back to Benalla, where he reported the affair to his superior officer. So he completely ignored all the threats. Yeah. Or. Or, okay. Fitzpatrick turned up at the Kelly household okay ellen asked if he had a warrant right and fitzpatrick said he only had a telegram so ellen said that dan should not be arrested fitzpatrick pulled out a revolver (gasps) and said i will blow your brains out if you interfere his mother replied you would not be so handy with that pop gun of yours if ned were here i mean to be fair i don't think he's going to be handy with it anyway he's probably going to miss he will miss (laughs) Dan then said, trying to trick Fitzpatrick, there is Ned coming along by the side of the house. While he was pretending to look out of the window for Ned, Dan cornered Fitzpatrick, took the revolver, and released Fitzpatrick unharmed. If he had any wounds, they were self-inflicted. Ned was 200 miles away at the time. Right. Or... Oh my God. (laughs) When Fitzpatrick was at the house... Waiting for Dan to finish his dinner. Yeah. He made a sexual advance. Oh my God. On Ned's sister, Kate, who was 14 at the time. Oh, grace. And then Ned attacked him. Yeah. Or... Oh my God. (laughs) When Fitzpatrick arrived at the Kellys, he was drunk. He had more than one brandy and lemonade. (laughs) Hey fam, I've just had this new drink and I think I'm going to have another because it is top notch. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, can't, I couldn't think of what an Instagram... Why Insta- would it be top notch? I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't think of what an Instagram influencer would say and all I could think was top notch. <laughs> I'm Hashtag so, top notch. I'm so done with this incident. <laughs> oh no, it's not over. Oh my God. So, or he was drunk when he arrived at the Kellys. Yeah. While he was sitting in front of the fire, he pulled Kate onto his knee and Dan attacked him, throwing him to the floor. In the ensuing struggle, Fitzpatrick drew his revolver. Ned appeared and, with Dan, seized the constable, disarming him. The constable knocked his wrist against the projecting part of the door lock, which was the injury that he claimed to be the gunshot wound. Right. Okay. I'm waiting for you to say That's it. Oh, thank God. So, the first version of events that I told you, that's the version that Fitzpatrick says happened. Okay, all right. I'm I'm just going to get a graph ready here, like a chart out. The second version, the one where Ned was 200 miles from home, Yeah. that's Ned Kelly's version. Right. He says he wasn't there at all. Okay. Which, I mean, makes sense given that Fitzpatrick's superior or whatever that guy was had left to try and find him. In New South Wales. Yeah. 
The version where the police officer made a sexual advance on her yeah. um, was told by Kate. Okay. In 1879. Oh. Um, but after Ned Kelly was captured for his like final time, yeah. he denied that this ever happened. He said that Fitzpatrick never tried to take liberties with Kate. Oh. He said, that is a foolish story. If he or any other policeman tried to take liberties with my sister, Victoria would not hold him. Wow. Which okay. is pretty cool. I mean, yeah, but really interesting. Yeah, right? And then the final version was based on interviews with the remaining Kelly Kelly brother, who is Jim Kelly, and a cousin and a gang providore, who was called Tom Lloyd. And that version's from 1929. So we actually do not know which of these stories is correct. Oof. Right? Wow, okay. And that's why I think that scene in the film could have been so interesting. Yeah. Because they went with the, he tried to sexually, make a sexual advance on Ned's sister version of it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, which was like super creepy. I also think that officer was supposed to be the same kid that Ned had saved in the river. Like, I think that he was supposed to be that, but I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Because he, like, becomes the main villain. Yeah. And is, like, just really smarmy the whole time and is also the one who makes Ned Kelly do boxing for him and is supposed to just be symbolic of the English in in general. Yeah. But wouldn't it have been cool in a film if you're like, all this, all this, all this, because there's so many different versions of this story. Kind of like Clue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But here's what really happened. So, in the end... Williamson, the woodchopper, Skillian, the brother-in-law, and Ellen Kelly were arrested. Right. And they were charged with aiding and abetting attempted murder. Because, of course, the police go with Fitzpatrick's version of events. Ned and Dan fled. They were nowhere to be found. Okay. The three of them appeared on the 9th of October, 1878, before a judge... And Fitzpatrick said, Fitzpatrick's doctor, the one who treated the wound, yeah. said that he was definitely not drunk. Okay. And that his wounds were consistent with the statement. Right. So it was a, a gunshot. Yeah. But that's just what he would say. So it's very yeah. hard to be yeah. certain. The defense declined to call Ned Kelly's sisters to give evidence, even though they were eyewitnesses. Oh, damn. So Kate didn't get to give any evidence. Because they're untrustworthy women's. But they've already had Ned Kelly giving evidence at the age of eight that his father, that his uncle, sorry, didn't steal cattle. So yes, I don't know. He was male. I suppose. He has the stronger brain. Um, they did that call... That is not what I think, obviously. No, obviously. Just, just to make, sh- make absolutely clear for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. They did call two witnesses to give evidence that Bill Skillian wasn't present. Right. And that cast doubt on Fitzpatrick's entire evidence, yeah. right? Because Bill Skillian is part of the story. Yeah. He comes up with Dan. One of these witnesses was a friend of the Kellys and the other one was a relative. So they might, like, I don't know. Yeah. The relative was called Joe Ryan and he revealed that Ned Kelly was in Greta that afternoon. Right. So that suggests that Ned Kelly's version where he's 200 miles away isn't true. Right, yeah. Um, And as a result... Ellen Kelly, Skillian, and Williamson were convicted as accessories to the attempted murder of Fitzpatrick. Okay. The men both received sentences of six years. Whoa. And Ellen got three years of hard labor. Oh, damn. 
And this was considered really harsh, including by including by a um, police magistrate called Alfred Wyatt. He said that was really harsh. <laughs> like, no, he said specifically, I thought the sentence upon that old woman, Mrs. Kelly, a very severe one. Ah, yeah. And they thought this especially because at the time, uh, Ellen Kelly, who... Um, as we know, like has another husband at this point. Yeah, um, she was nursing a newborn baby. Oh damn! And then they've put her under Whoa. three years hard labor. That's awful. Which is just absolutely awful, and definitely one of those things where we go, we can definitely get on board here with Ned Kelly thinking that the state's against him, yeah. that especially the British Empire is against him, yeah. and the police. It's, it feels to me like they were doing a sort of, we're going to make an example of them, because, you know, yeah. they've attacked against the authority. We so can't we- have people supporting bushrangers. Exactly, yeah. But they've definitely gone way too far. Yeah, they have miscalculated this. So at this point, there's a warrant out for Ned Kelly and Dan Kelly, they're considered to have attempted to murder a police officer. Yeah. And so they vanish off into the bush. And this is the point where Ned Kelly gets his gang. <gasps> but I'm going to stop it there. Oh. I know. You'll have to come back next week to find out about the awesome and bizarre things that Ned Kelly did. And also why he is such a controversial character in okay. Australian history. Oh, brilliant. Well... For someone who hasn't done an episode for three weeks, that was amazing. Thank you. And over an hour. Oh my God. Yeah. Our listeners should be pleased. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When For and suggest episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this garbled account of Ned Kelly's history, please give us five stars on whatever you're listening on. (laughs) And thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used on the pod. And thank you for listening. Now, go out, invest in eels, and apprentice young outlaws. Bye!